Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne Travel American Express, and Costello Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travel. And I'll be hanging around, covering lots of ground. Oh, I'm on. Uh, hopefully the mics were on my high, while Heidi and I were discussing some high-level things here. Welcome to Travels with Charlie on WDEV. Charlie Papillo, your host here. Man, I've been doing this long enough to know that when the light's on, we are on. <laughs> Heidi, and I missed it. I, I did too. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, are we in trouble, uh, Corm? Oh, okay. Nothing, uh, nothing went out. We're, we're all right. Well, welcome to Travels with Charlie. Got a great program lined up for you today. Hey, by the way, if you do want to, uh, shoot me an email, uh, maybe it's something you heard, uh, you know, <laughs> during the break here. Uh, it's cpapilloradio at gmail.com. Big shout out, of course, to my sponsors. Could not do this program without our sponsors. Casella Waste Systems, casella.com. Hey, it's almost summertime. Maybe you're, you know, you got a garage sale and you're going to get rid of some stuff. Give them a call and check it out. You can get a dumpster put right in your driveway and have stuff hauled away. And if you're out on the road, Jolly Convenience Stores, sandwiches, snacks, ice cold uh, soda, uh, fuel, creamies, yeah, and home of the daily smile. And of course, Milne Travel, American, American Express, been doing it since 1975. If you got some travel plans, check it out at MilneTravel.com. Well, on today's program, uh, former Vermont State Police Lieutenant John Flanagan is going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about drug-impaired driving with some startling statistics. Jeff Weld will be with me from the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight on their latest blog post on some recycling numbers, some things that are out there that people are hearing. They're not true. We're going to give you all the details on that. But my first guest today, and maybe you heard her uh, during the break before we came in here, (laughs) she was a guest many times on the old Charlie, Ernie, and Lisa show, uh, representative from Stowe, Heidi Sherman. Heidi, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Charlie. Thanks for having me. So, do I say, is it former representative? You're still representative until when? It, until the new um, legislature is sworn in, so uh, so January technically, but uh, but I'm, I'm pretty much retired. And and are there any things going on? You know, we always hear about you know the summer, you know, the committees. The committees have to meet, and we're going to do a study. You doing any studying or can kicking? No, not no. <laughs> a lot no of that can can, can, can kicking, sure. kicking the can down the road. Yeah, none no, of that going on for none you. None of that for me. No. Well, if uh, if something were to happen and the governor called us in, I would uh, obviously do that. But uh, at this point, I have nothing going so, on. 16 years, uh, you know, I have to ask you, Heidi, because I've known you for many years. I think yeah. for all 16 of the years Just that you, you've been in the House. Um, and that's a long time. Yeah, it was a, a long time. Too, too long? <laughs> you know, what's the re, you know, what's the feeling behind, well, you know, it's because you've got great support here in Stowe. I know they love you. Well, thanks. Um, and Stowe has been great. It's a, it's a very engaged constituency and it was, um, a real honor representing and it's, uh, my hometown, um, for that long. I just felt it was, it was time. 16 years is a long time. Um, to serve in that capacity. Um, I have a business in Stowe that I run. I want to really focus on that and making sure we're in a position, uh, the position we need to be in five, ten years down the road. So I want to focus on that. And my parents are aging, um, and they live in North Carolina, so I'm, I want to spend some time, uh, more time with them down in North Carolina visiting them. So You know, I, I often think, Heidi, about people that serve, whether it's in the House or whether it's in the Senate, uh, and and how they're able to 
to juggle that. Many of them, you've got your personal life. Uh, if you own a business or if you work somewhere, mm-hmm. how do you get away for four months a year? You, you know, with you, you're the boss. So Yeah, so in, in my case, um, first of all, I don't have a family. I don't have any children. Um, so so that makes it a little less uh, problematic than those who have uh, children and especially young families. Yeah. Um, but I do have a business that I run, um, and that, um, that's been challenging over the course of the years. Um, it, it takes a lot of um, organization, time management, and it takes a great staff. And you got to have team. good people working have, for you. I, yeah. And I do. I have very good people working for me, and they've been able to um, take care of things as I have been uh, doing my work down in Montpelier, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, but I, it's time for me to be back there uh, full time and and trying to trying to get things done and um, that need to be done. It's tough. My business is um, residential rentals mainly. I own and manage several uh, residential rental properties, long-term residential rentals, and a few commercial properties. So it's um, it's just necessary at this time for for me to be there and focusing on that and all the work that we need to do. So um, so I'm excited to actually do that. How have things changed over the last 16 years politically? You know, when you first came into the House, do you see, you know, many people say that, you know, the pendulum swings. It goes to the right. It goes to the left. <laughs> I don't think it's in the middle <laughs> right no. now. And, and it, it maybe swings a little a little bit to the left. So um, it, it has shifted dr- dramatically, in yeah. my view, to the left. Um, it is... Uh, um, the uh, Democratic majority um, has won a supermajority and has been essentially a supermajority for many years. And so uh, – and, and it's not um, traditional um, what – as I was growing up with Democrats and Republicans in Vermont, you have traditional Vermont Republicans and traditional yeah. sort of Vermont Democrats. Um, it's much more progressive uh, now, um, I think. I think you've, you see that across the country as well in yeah. more liberal areas um, uh, that uh, it's much more um, – it's much further to the left. It's much more progressive. I will say I came to the um, to the position after working for Senator Jeffords for many years, um, both in Washington and here in Vermont. And, um, and at that time, it was really um, um, – you know the vast majority of of uh, legislators and and uh, and those who were elected. It was really about governing. It's about doing what's right um, and about governing. Um, I, I worry. I worry that um, in some cases um, that sh- there's been a shift in that. It's it's really more about. Um, uh, advocates, it's yes. advocates uh, running rather than governing, um, rather than those who really want to focus on governing. So that's what I worry about here in Vermont. And and without that balance, it's very difficult, especially you have a Republican <laughs> governor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, you know, he has an agenda, and and it just seems today that that you know if you got an R next to your name or D next to your name, that determines how we're going to vote on this. Whoever sponsored the bill, that there's not enough of that. You know, they always called it, you know, reaching across the aisle. And I hear that so much from Republicans about we need to reach across the aisle. And sometimes they get, oh, don't reach across the aisle. You know, you get in arguments about that. But it always seems that it's the Republican Party that has to be the ones that need to reach across the aisle. You don't hear that from the Dems <laughs> quite as much, do you? Um, so so uh, some of the, again, some of the old school uh, Democrats are certainly, again, um, really, their purpose there is governing, and yes, and in that case, those folks do try to work with um, with other parties, other uh, in, in their committees, whether they're in committees or on the House floor. Um, but I will say again, once something comes to a House floor for action, you you know what's going to happen. It, yeah. the, it's it's already been decided how what's going to happen and how how people are voting, um, and that is so. There's not much debate. Um, that is that influences um, uh, people's decisions. They they going in there as long as it's on the House floor and up for action. The speakers decided that this bill is going to pass and it's going to go. So in that sense, you have less deliberative body activity um, and more sort of okay, this is this is what we're going to do. And so and as a result, you'll see amendments from people who uh, want the want the legislation changed uh, that are more sort of. Uh, Trying to get um, um, trying to get a a, a point across, yeah. uh, rather than again just really just trying to um, um, 
trying to focus on on doing what's best and and for for right. Vermonters and Vermont families and yeah. businesses. So that's kind of the challenge. And again, it's becoming more challenging in my view over there in yeah. in Montpelier each each year. Questions or comments for Heidi Sherman? She's my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Uh, she's not the former representative from Stowe yet. She's still the Stowe representative. So maybe you have a question for uh, 244-1777 or toll free at 1-877-291-8255. Heidi's watching me. I still have to read the number. <laughs> you know, I can, I can rattle the old, the, the old, the old, the old number the, off. In fact, I've done it a couple of times. So <laughs> I have to be careful here. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and Heidi would love to hear from you as well. 1-877-291-8255. You know, Heidi, one of the things I always recall, uh, when we did the old Charlie, Ernie and Lisa show and you'd come in, and, and you know, again, you know, we were in Colchester and you'd come all the way in yeah. from, from Stowe to be on our morning show and you'd, uh, you'd bring in either ribs or sliders. From and I know you were talking with Lee Cattell about, yeah. about the old Sunset Bar and Grill. Yeah, yeah. At the Sunset, um, the Grill and Tap Room. It's a friend of mine's establishment. They had it for 32, 32 33 years, um, and they actually ended up closing last year. But uh, so I didn't, I wasn't able to bring you any. But yeah, Hobbs used to uh, wake up very early in the, early in the morning <laughs> to make sure I had hot, hot uh, ribs and uh, they were uh, good pulled pork sliders. Was that was that a, a COVID thing with them, or they just decided to get out of the business? You know, they were um, they've been there a long time, and it was a great um, restaurant um, and very popular. Uh, but uh, at some point last, you know, it was it was it was much more difficult given the workforce challenges to yeah. run the to run the to yeah. run the business for. Um, for uh, Rich and Nancy, so they and, and we're finding that so much more. You know, everybody or anyone that I speak with that owns a business, and I see it all the time about other restaurants. Mm-hmm. They they're they're not doing you know as many nights, or they've stopped doing lunch. They're only doing dinner, and it's because they just don't have the staff. Do you have a grasp on that? I don't understand it because I, I you know you walk around, plenty of young people around. And I never worked in a restaurant. I don't know if I don't know if you did, but both of my children did, and they made pretty good money. Yeah, you can come away each night with with some very good uh, yeah. bank. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, out, so. you know, there was a time, you know, Dad's just doing radio, and I'm going, <laughs> maybe I start waiting on tables. You know, your son yeah. comes home and he's look how much I made last night. Yeah, yeah. So, why aren't they working? You know, what I are they can, doing? I cannot figure out um, what has happened. I will say that in the hospitality industry, uh, when COVID hit, it became um, – it was um, – uh, it was challenging, I think, for the workers, both with them going to work every day, serving people yes. in the in the very um, strange environment that it was. Um, the customers, at least from the indication I got from work from employees of restaurants, were um, were much more demanding and weren't as um, friendly, I yeah. guess I should say, as it was. So I think a lot of people just decided they didn't want to be in the hospitality business But we're anymore. back to normal, back. I guess. I yeah, mean. but some of them may have gone on to do, um, you know, maybe they're doing some other, other things. I will say, though, we have had a workforce problem in this state a long time. Yes. Um, we don't have people. We don't have people. Yeah. And I remember the uh, Vermont um, Chamber of Commerce had a, uh, they still do, I forget, I forget the name of the organization that they started, but the Vermont Futures Project. And a few years ago, they talked about the um, missing. I think we were missing 10,000. We needed 10,000 workers um, to meet the demand of the workforce of yep. the uh, businesses here in Vermont. I think that number's at 23,000 now. Wow. Um, so that's, I think, where we're getting into into some. Uh, and I don't have any answers for that. I, frankly, I, I don't think it's a worker re- relocation program where they pay people to come to the state to work. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, that How did doing. that work out? Because Vermont did do that. Weren't they paying you know, 10, 000, up to $10,000? Yeah. Uh, and I guess there was some success There was uh, that, that people argue. I just think it was um, – I, I remember you know, speaking on the, on the House floor about it. I just thought it was – it was. Um, I was ready to leave and bit, come back. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Most of my constituents were going, "Where's my ten grand?" You know, just for sticking it out. All yeah. How about years. if I stay? You give me ten grand, right? <laughs> so, um, so I, I just that's a frustrating kind of um, public policy decision that was made. That I, um, I just think we need to have a more attractive. Um, um, uh, um, we need to have better housing opportunities for people yeah. when they come. We need to make sure that uh, the, what they call the trailing spouse is able to find uh, yep. something here as well. Um, 
I don't mind that children, for example, go away for a while in their 20s. I, w- I would focus on getting those people back in their 30s to right. raise their families. Uh, I think it's important, frankly, that people do go, that not everybody, but people do go out and explore something yeah. different and explore. And the, most, the, the, you know, people that age do. I know I, know I did. I mean, that's exactly what I did. I, did I moved too. away and went to college. Uh, I stayed for about 15 years in the yeah. Boston area, and then, you know, I came back. Right. And that's, um, and so if we could focus more on that and people with connections to Vermont um, uh, out in other states or around the world that might want to come, come back. Sure. To, uh, um, but I also think we need to have some, you know, policies in place that are going to ensure that our wages are, are, are good, our salaries are good, yeah. and that the well, people I think can, we need to become raise their families and save money for the college. It's about being more business friendly, isn't yeah. it? We yeah, need absolutely. if the businesses come here, the jobs will be here, and then the people will follow. Mm-hmm. And I think, and and I think in general, our our tax structure, and I, we brag about it being very progressive, which it is a progressive tax policy, but. But that middle-income people, yeah. those middle-income Vermonters or those potentially right. middle-income Vermonters, um, and even those with on the, on the higher income limit, we, I mean, on the higher income scale, they, um, they're not, they're not coming here either. And then we have they, re- make, re- they have such a better, you know, it goes a lot further in a place like North Carolina or someplace well, else. And my point, uh, retirees decide to, you know, they've lived here their entire life and they go, you know what, I'm leaving. Yeah. And it's not just about the weather. I know some people like, well, it's the weather. It's not. Yeah. No, it is. Um, certainly it is about the weather um, in many cases, but uh, but coupled with that, I think, you know, a friend of mine who's actually a resident in Stowe um, talked to me about um, about if he's a, he's a former um He's a retired um, uh, military person, and, yep. and then uh, so in addition to his military pension being taxed, his Social Security is taxed, right. and he could um, by even going to a place like New Jersey, which is known for high taxes, uh, by, but by going to a place in New Jersey, I think he say, said he could save fifteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah, um, that's so hard it's, to argue That's with. big money. Yeah. I mean, that's that's some pretty pretty um, important things to consider so as we're trying to get uh, more people here we're going to take a quick break uh, heidi sherman is my guest uh, representative from stowe uh, we'll open phone lines continue if you have a question you have a comment one 291 i've got a ton more questions we're going to get into it next right here on travels with charlie wdev the waste and resource management industry is a complex integrated system that many people and communities take for granted Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. So, Heidi, we play a little uh, Name That Tune here with Corm oh, no. behind the glass. Uh, do you want to go for that one? No. No? All right. John Cougar. And I don't know if it was Cougar or it was John Mellencamp. He changed it at one time. Hurt so good. Uh, travels with Charlie back with you. Good afternoon. Thanks for being with me today. We're going to be talking with uh, former Vermont State Police John Flanagan coming up uh, later on this afternoon. And the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight is straight ahead. But we continue our conversation now with Representative from Stowe, Heidi. Heidi Sherman. Heidi, again, thank you for being on the program today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So, Heidi, I I have to ask you, um, what will you miss most about not serving? 16 years in the House, you only lost one election, right? I didn't lose any. Oh, you didn't lose any? No. Oh, I thought you ran once and didn't get in. No, I ran. My first time I ran was 2006, and I won. And then I didn't have an opponent until 2018. So 2018 and 2020. Oh, nice. So how did you do that with no opponent? You, <laughs> I don't know. There's a body in the trunk somewhere. <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I appreciated it. But. What will you miss about not serving? Um, the, really the best part of serving, in my view, and I, I try to ex- um, share this with new new people when they come in, is is knowing that you have the ability to help people individually, not just doing policy, yeah. but actually connecting them with you know, whether they're having a challenge with the Vermont Department of Taxes or whether they need a visa or whether they need to 
um, an Act 250 thing or um, it could be anything, uh, but but they come to you as a representative to try to help. And you know at that time, uh, Jim always impressed this upon us, that you know if they're calling us for something, um, it means they've been put through the ringer by everybody else. Yeah. Because You're talking about Douglas call. or Condos? Uh, J- Jim uh, Jeffords. <laughs> Jeffords, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of Jims out there, you know. Yeah, no kidding. We're talking like, you yeah. know, well, Jim and I were talking Matt. the other day. <laughs> but he always impressed that on his staff, yeah. is that when somebody is calling um, him as a U.S. Senator, but, but it also applies to me as a representative, if somebody's calling me about something or communicating with me about something, it means they've been put through the ringer by everybody else and they really need some help. So yep. it might not be the most important thing on your list like of things, um, and in fact it might sound crazy to you, but it's the most important thing on their mind at the time when they call, and you always have to kind of remember that, that that's your job and that's what you are elected to do. It's not just voting yes or no on bills. It's actually um, helping people, and that's what's been most meaningful throughout the last 16 years is helping helping folks like that. Any, any Democrats that you're going to miss specifically? <laughs> I'm going to miss Senator Mazza. <laughs> he's he's everybody's favorite. I you know. know. I always kid him. Uh, I say, you're not a Democrat. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I think he, you know he and I agree on so many things, and I'm going, and he thinks that I'm – the yeah. one that's you know way out there. Yeah, no, he's he is um, he's been fantastic throughout my 16 years. Yeah. Just really kind of um, just being there, and when I can you know ask him about something or, or uh, you know get his thoughts on on something in particular. You know, Alice Emmons is another one who's been there for many years from Springfield. She's done a tremendous job throughout the years, um, um, and uh, and she, you know I'll I'll miss not that we became close friends or anything, but I'll miss her work and mm. her um, her commitment to the to the to the cause. Let's talk about the tourism industry because that you know, in my opinion, that's really what drives. Vermont. We are a tourist state. Absolutely. Uh, you created the tourism caucus. caucus. Mm-hmm. That's been um, that's been really something I've I've been really proud of um, over the years. It throughout for for many years, tourism was sort of um, you know it was on the back burner of of uh, of everything in uh, in the legislature. Not of everything, but it was really on the back burner. There were just a few of us who were fighting for things and. You could never get the funding necessary to do the, you know, the proper marketing, long-term marketing, yeah. and really investment um, in ensuring that we had visitors coming to the state and then repeat visitors. Um, that connection between the locals and the regional marketing places and the state um, was was precarious, and so we, um, I, I decided a number of years ago to start the. Uh, tourism caucus, and then we started having these tourism days at the state house, where we could get uh, the hospitality industry um, in. Uh, as part of that, it was really trying to get a broader coalition to understand that agriculture is part of our tourism. Oh, sure, um, a huge part of our yeah. tourism. Um, arts and culture are part of our tourism. Um, it's not just ski resorts and um, right. and golfing or anything like oh, that. Oh, we're it's four just, seasons. Yeah. You know, we have a um, lake here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Water sports, the forest, you know, the forest uh, Camping. Um, in industry, yeah. the state parks and stuff. So, uh, so over the past few years, we've been able to get a very broad uh, coalition together um, fighting for tourism. And I, I think that is what helped propel us through um, the COVID pandemic. Yeah. And then beyond that, now we're, we're really – people are – People are talking about tourism. We've got uh, people are are really committed to tourism in many ways. I think there's not – it's not a fight that's done. We're going to have to consistently fight for the yeah. resources to be able to continue. Is there money it. that's budgeted for advertising? You know, you see ads all the time, you know, come to New York. Yeah. Uh, you, know, all, you know, Virginia's for lovers. Mm-hmm. And, and you, we see that here. Mm-hmm. But are people in Massachusetts seeing yes. ads about Vermont? Yes. So we've got a – we've got a, a – I, f- frankly, um, I think one of the – well, I will say we've got a great tourism and marketing um, uh, department. It's a very lean department. I will say that. It's not a lot of staff. But what they do with what little money that they uh, that they have is, um, is really effective, and they're starting to really see the results. We're starting to see the results as a state. Um, they have a very um, – um, a, a, a commitment to um, doing – 
um, long-term advertising, making sure they're getting the markets that we need to market. We need to market Boston, New York, right. Montreal, Canada, um, all the way down the eastern seaboard. We're starting to see a lot more people from the Philly area, from the Washington, D.C. area, from Virginia coming up. Um, so they're very they're careful and cautious about where they're spending the money. Um, the base budget is one that we're going to continue. We need we need to have real advocates in the state house. The base funding for statewide marketing of tourism. When you look at a marketing funnel, you, you know the state does the tourism funding. You yep. know the uh, the statewide marketing and then regional areas then are able to. Uh, tack on with that and do their own marketing. Um, but the base funding for um, statewide marketing is still only about $3 million, But uh, That's not governor, a lot of money. It's not you know, Anybody lot. that's in advertising gets in that. In fact, a lot of resorts uh, in this state spend a, spend sure. a lot more than that. And um, they get the return they, on yeah. it. Yeah. So, But we were able over the last uh, – with help from the, from the federal government, we were able to put um, a, a lot of money into tourism yeah. um, uh, funding and into – the one unfortunate thing the governor really wanted was to uh, to get some marketing funds into the regional hands uh, so that they could market for workers, you know, to come yeah. and uh, yeah. and uh, um, that didn't. I don't. I'm pretty sure that didn't make it in the final bill. But we have um, there's a considerable amount of money going into tourism this year, Good. and we just need to continue it. I'm not sure where you stand on casinos, but I'll ask you. Uh, oh, <laughs> did no. I hit a sore spot? Uh, no, not at all. No, I, I I'm pro casino. <laughs> So I haven't done enough research on casinos, but I would very well, much like to, to see to do. sports betting. People go to Connecticut to, to go gambling. That's They'll true. Let them stay here. Yeah. You know, it's like, have you ever gone to a bingo night anywhere? I mean, sure. These, let's yeah. get some casinos yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's we're a tourist state. You know, you come on up, you look at the leaves, you buy your maple syrup, and then you go and you gamble. You get the slot machines. Let's I, go. I remember we were talking about trying to get it on the train. Yes, I remember that. Remember yeah, that? yeah, yeah, Allison yeah, yeah. Crowley and yeah. some others were trying to get Why not? to do a gambling train. And then you can't get off. So they'll just keep spending more money. No, do it on a boat. I've lost, I've lost so much money. I'm jumping overboard at this point. I would like those sports betting. I'm still very upset that we haven't passed that here. Yeah, we need to do it. I, it's unbelievable how much money that is bringing into states. And well, people are doing it anyway. And, and it's crazy. And that's the point. Absolutely. It's unbelievably crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the things I know that you worked on uh, in the 16 years that you were in the house, uh, Heidi, uh, encouraging job and wage growth by supporting private sector. And it seems so often that when you, anything that you support in the private sector, it's like, oh, you know, they're supporting the, you know, the big businesses. You know, I have a saying, you know, I never worked for anybody that was poor. They, you know, <laughs> business, you know, I, I've worked for businesses my, worked for me. my, my entire life. <laughs> That's what drives the economy. Yeah, yeah. You want to bring businesses here. And anytime you do that, well, you're going to give them a tax break. Yeah. Well, and they're going to pay taxes on the 100 or 200 employees that they have. Yeah, I've been. Um, it's been a frustrating that has been going on for the last 16 years that I've been in the uh, in the business is that um, is that private sector it's the assumption that businesses are big bad corporations right. bad. um when yes. in when in reality everybody is you know working um their hardest to make sure their business is a success and that they're taking care of their employees our employees are our best asset any business owner will right. tell you that right. and they're going to spend as much money as they can and as much effort and investment as they can on those on those um employees in order to keep them and keep them happy um uh, but it's it's the the philosophy or the attitude in in uh, in Montpelier too often is that businesses are bad and business owners are uh, big bad corporations and we that's need just them. not the case. No, we it's, need them. especially here we're full yeah. of small businesses and we've got a we always uh, Paul, uh, Paul Ralston and I I don't know if you remember Paul Ralston he was a representative from Middlebury for four years and he was a Democrat mm-hmm. and we worked very closely together on the Economic Development Committee. He was the founder of Vermont Coffee Company, sort oh, of a serial yes. entrepreneur, yep. and he always talked he talked about. Um, you know that there's a philosophy with business growth and development, and that is encourage, reward, protect. Yeah. So you want to encourage people to to open up a businesses, to invest. They might fail, but encourage them again because yeah. eventually they'll succeed. Right. You, want to, you know, out of three, they'll succeed the third time. Um, reward success. Reward 
it when people are successful yeah. um, and protect those businesses already in the states. So. Any endorsements before we go? <laughs> well, in huh? Stowe, I'm I'm um, <laughs> I'm hoping that Jed Lipsky uh, wins in Stowe. He's running for the House seat to, um, for the House seat in Stowe. Right. So. And just quickly, just your comments on what what's going on in the legislature. Uh, Eleven in the Senate, I think, moving on. I don't have the numbers for the House, but a lot of people moving on. Some of it's just, you know, they've been there a long time, mm-hmm. time to move on. But there's some consideration about, well, you know, it's a long session. It's hard to get somebody that that can get away, as mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, from their work for four months. Yeah. And, and it doesn't pay a whole lot. No, it doesn't pay a whole lot. Uh, you really have to be um, in a position to be able to do it, uh, that you can sacrifice some of the some of the finances that you would Do we need receive. to change that up a little bit, Well, do you think? so I would say that I, I don't think we need to be in more than three months a year. That's number one. Yeah. I think it should be just January, February, March. Um, and... And we and we can get everything done in those months. As just prioritize, just do what businesses do. Prioritize, you know, do your capital plan, right. whatever else. Um, you won't be able I, to cover important things like instant runoff voting. Yeah, you won't. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's, um, you have to prioritize. Or if people exactly if, if the legislature if the leadership believes that that's a priority, then they can cover it. But um, that's you know, it's just that they have to. We really have to prioritize. And make sure yeah. we know. Um, I will say just real quickly um, that one thing I don't want to see is us going to online um, online work, and that is something that people uh, I think too many some people want to make a move to. Yeah. If people are not able to go someday or for a week, or that they'd be able to online, or or eventually where does that lead in online? I just do I do not think public policy is developed well. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm afraid about the whole social aspect of it yeah. too, how that's going to change things. Man, this, yeah. we could talk more. It's, uh, I would love to. You can yeah. come back anytime. You know, <laughs> you know even you after you're, you're you're the you're a former representative, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Then then we can do all then sorts you, of things. Then you can really, you know, then we can tell all. <laughs> then you're going to find out about who she really didn't get along with in the house. Heidi Sherman, Heidi, a pleasure to see you. It's been thank been you. a long time. Good to see you yeah, again. Yeah, thank you so much. And- Best of luck with the show and with pizza. All I right. gotta get some pizza. Pizzapapillo.com. Thank right. you for getting that mentioned no and problem. you know how to do it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, Jeff Weld, the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight is next, right here on Travels with Charlie WDEV. When I'm on my travels throughout Vermont, I know where to stop for a fill-up, fresh-made sandwiches, snacks, hot coffee, or an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Jolly convenience stores. With over 40 in our area, there's always one nearby. And they're more than a quick stop. Proudly supporting local charities, community events, and our military. Jolly convenience stores. Home of the daily smile. Even behind that mask. Stop by today. You'll be glad you did. Another easy name that tune, a Chicago tune for you. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie. It's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Jeff Weld, the Director of Engagement, joining me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Jeff, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me again. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for having me. So one of the things I want to talk with you about, uh, your recent blog post, the rumors of the death of recycling have been greatly exaggerated. Now, I read that post. There's some numbers in there that, well, they're pretty misleading, trying to say that only 8% gets recycled. Do you want to shed some uh, light on that, Jeff? Yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons that we uh, wanted to get that blog post out there, and I'm glad that we're talking about it today, was, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. This 8% number, sometimes 9% if they're feeling generous. That number goes way back um, to sort of the beginning of plastics being developed and really, you know, makes people feel like it's part of today's reality, which it, it really isn't, right? It's not 8% of the plastic bottles that you're putting in the recycling bin today are being recycled. It's 8% of all plastic. So, any bumper, diaper, you name it, that's ever been developed, 8% of that um, plastic has been recycled over time. And what that tells us more than anything is that, yeah, we produce and consume a lot of plastic. But in today's reality, what we're seeing in our business, and, um, you know, we're recycling 100 million pounds of plastic every every year. Wow. So, you know, when you start to see some of these you know, national stories come in and, you know, it's sort of like this, uh, wow, that's news to us, right? I mean, we're recycling lots. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I, I want to. So that was really the precipice about getting it out there, you know, making sure people are aware that, hey, if you get your recyclables to us, they meet end market spec. We're going to find a North American market to sell them into, and your material is going to get recycled. Absolutely. And I would direct our listeners, Jeff, to uh, go to casella.com forward slash recycled better. There's a great video on there that shows where your recycled products go. And sometimes I think, you know, people just don't get it. I mean, this is a, a large scale operation you, you, where you're sorting materials, putting them in different bins. And when you mention 100 million pounds a year, that's just amazing. Right. And that's just plastics, right? I mean, we're recycling uh, a million tons of material uh, throughout our footprint throughout the year. So absolutely head on to casella.com slash recycle better. A lot of great information, a lot of things that people sort of maybe misunderstand. Um, we try to clarify on that website. There's a lot of educational materials, what can go in the bin, what shouldn't go in the bin, you know, just because something says it's recyclable doesn't necessarily mean it goes into your mixed recycling. Um, so there's a lot of that that we're trying to help clear up because I think ultimately we all have the same goal, right? We all want to recycle. Of course. We all want to do better for uh, the world and, and for each other. Um, but there's a way to recycle better, and, and that's really what we're we're trying to get out there to people. Jeff, we're just uh, one day away from summer, and that's uh, the big cookout uh, time of the year. Any tips for summer cookouts? And you know, when, yeah. when people talk about, you know, what do you do with your trash when you're when you're out at a campsite or you know a uh, you know a beach or something? Yeah, I think that's that's the one that we see a lot this time of year, Charlie. Is that you know we go into these carry in carry outs. We see a lot of uh, you know mixed um, trash in with recycling. You know cans in with with paper plates and maybe some food residue and stuff and really summer's all about taking the time to to make sure that we're, we continue those good practices keep our recyclables separated from the trash don't do, be wish cycling you know if you're gonna have a fourth of july party uh do not put hot fireworks in with your trash or recycling <laughs> you know soak them up good make sure they're extinguished and then uh, find out usually those go to your household hazardous waste days just because the last thing we want to see, um, you know, is a melted can on the side of the road or one of our trucks catch on fire because, uh, you know, something goes in there that shouldn't be in there. So, Absolutely. again, all that stuff right on uh, our Recycle Better website. A lot of great seasonal tips if you scroll down to the bottom of the page to, to make sure that, you know, all of your good work throughout the year doesn't just go by the wayside because you, you have a, a picnic or a party or something like that. Good information. Casella.com forward slash recycle better. Jeff Weld, Director of Engagement on the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Happy summer, Jeff, and we'll talk with you again uh, coming up next month. Absolutely. Happy summer. Enjoy. All right. You take care. There you go. Jeff Weld on the Casella West Waste uh, Sustainability Spotlight. Coming up next, former Vermont State Police Lieutenant John Flanagan joins me. We're going to be talking about drug impairment and testing strategies. But first, I got to tell you about my buddy uh, Tom Frechette over at Catamount North Custom Truck Caps. Now, they're located at 65 Dorset Lane in Williston. And if you've got a pickup truck and you want to put a cap on the back, they have the ARE uh, ranch and matching colors, uh, tonneau covers, commercial caps, uh, racks for ladders, opening side compartments. If you're a plumber, you're an electrician, a carpenter, Tom and the team at Catamount North, they can take care of your custom builds. You tell them what you need. They will make it for you. They've got Ranger-designed van interiors with slide-out shelves and more. Catamount North, they're the truck cap retailer of choice, and they give back to the community. That's why I like them so much. Proud sponsors of Toys for Kids, Wounded Warrior Project, and others. You can stop in at 65 Dorset Lane in Williston. Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. Saturdays from 8 to 2. They're closed on Sunday. And you want to see some of their work? They're on Facebook and Instagram, and they have thousands. I mean literally tens of thousands of satisfied customers. Catamount North, custom truck caps for your pickup truck, your van. 65 Dorset Lane in Williston, 879-7172 or VT. Com. Back with Vermont State Police John Flanagan right after the break right here on WDEV.
Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millentravel.com. A little Boston Red Sox music. Uh, I'm not sure if my next guest is a Boston fan or not. I know one of his uh, fellow um, state police uh, officers, uh, Michael Macarella, was not a Boston Red Sox fan. Little sweet Caroline for you. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie. John Flanagan, former lieutenant with the Vermont State Police, retired from the police in 2019 after 27 years of service, commander of safety programs, and a drug recognition expert. John, good afternoon. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've talked, too. How you doing? I'm doing well, Charlie. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to connect with you, and thanks for having me on today. Uh, a Red Sox fan or a Yankees fan? Uh, you really put me on the spot. <laughs> Yankees fan. Yeah, oh, you and Macarella. <laughs> okay, got it. Hey, um, John, I, I wanted you to talk today about, you know, as you know, you know, uh, marijuana will be, uh, I guess, officially legal here in the state uh, uh, shortly with uh, retail outlets and the like. And one of the sticking points with many legislators and myself included was, well, if we legalize it, how do you determine if someone is is impaired? Uh, you know, if you're if you're drunk on alcohol, you can you can blow a point oh eight and you, you know, you're going to get fined or and eventually maybe even lose your license. But if you're high on marijuana or even some other drug, how do we determine that? Well, that's a great question, Charlie. And, you know, whether you uh, are someone who supports the legalization or not, really that's, uh, you know, it's here and that's something that we've got to deal with it. And we have to look at, you know, the aspects of, of uh, the safety side and also uh, the one that comes to the, you know, as you mentioned, the, the biggest thing is uh, operating a motor vehicle safely. Uh, just like we have dealt with, you know, for for decades with um, alcohol-impaired driving, and now we're seeing, uh, you know, sort of this explosion of, of drug-impaired driving, and not just about marijuana or THC. That we're dealing with certain, uh, certainly a lot of drugs, including, uh, you know, a surge of uh, narcotics um, like fentanyl and heroin, um, and uh, we're seeing a significant surge now with seeing um, a stimulants like uh, like cocaine. Drug driving really isn't anything new, although we're seeing some increasing um, um, indicators with that and incidents. Um, we've been able to, to deal with and be able to evaluate drug-impaired drivers uh, through a program that's, uh, that's international, which, which is put on by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and in the International Association of Chiefs of Police, which is the Drug Evaluation and Classification Program. Uh, which trains drug re- recognition experts, which are in all 50 states in Canada, um, that can evaluate uh, suspected uh, drug-impaired drivers uh, through a, uh, a very rigorous um, evaluation process, um, then plus taking a toxicology, um, which typically would be a blood uh, or a urine uh, sample and tested by a, by a lab mm-hmm. uh, to confirm uh, what drugs may be present. And uh, those are, you know, two different things that are really important for, for prosecuting someone for driving under the influence. And Vermont, like many states uh, right now, is um, has a sort of a, a impairment to the slightest degree standard, which is, you know, that's caused by a substance or substances. So we've had some success in um, you know, recognizing those experts and, and having uh, cases adjudicated with um, – uh, drug-impaired driving convictions, and, um, you know, occasionally we see other folks who, who are not impaired uh, but maybe are suffering um, a medical impairment or a mental health uh, yep. issue, um, and that's the cases we want to try to get those people, uh, you know, ruled out quickly, um, and they're not being prosecuted in cases where they shouldn't be. So it's, I think it's a very fair uh, assessment of people, and it's really, 
really one of the best tools that we have right now. Mm -hmm. John Flanagan with me, uh, former Vermont State Police, uh, also a drug recognition expert. If you have a question or comment, 244-1777. Toll-free number is 1-877-291-8255. Right here on Travels with Charlie. Uh, So being a drug recognition expert, uh, there aren't that many officers that are trained to do that, though. Am I right? You are right. And, you know, nationally, it's probably about 2% uh, or even less of law enforcement officers in the U.S. that are trained uh, to be drug recognition experts. Um, and, unfortunately, those those numbers have uh, – we've, we've had some attrition in the program. Nationally, it's gone down about 10% uh, from 2020 to 21, and I suspect we've lost some more. And that's been really due to um, sort of the, some of the training – uh, shortcomings during the pandemic, um, and in Vermont, we're we're at a position where we've lost uh, about 25 percent of, of our DRE since early 2020 to to about now. Although we've got a class scheduled uh, that's coming up in September, and hopefully we'll be able to bring those numbers back up uh, in, in places across the state where there's a higher need. So that testimony, John, that a, a drug recognition expert uh, would give. Would that evidence could that evidence be used in court to, for a conviction, or do you need something else besides that? Um, I know ab- absolutely. You know, usually you want to have a toxicology that that will um, confirm those opinions uh, from the from the DRE, um, and there has been some cases um, in Vermont, uh, you know, that have been challenged and there's been rulings. Um, you know, county by county and in different superior courts, um, you know, where that they've said. They've, they've supported that the science, um, um, you know, is uh, uses credible information um, and it's science-based. And then the question has been really that that officer was trained properly and, and applied their training properly in, in that particular case. So um, roadside testing, I mean, now that's a, you mentioned, uh, you know, blood test or uh, – you know, obviously, that's something that you can't do on roadside. Uh, you can you can blow a meter for for alcohol roadside. But what about? Um, I, I've heard something about you know saliva testing, which would could be used for drug specifically for THC. But you can't do that. Am I correct? Without a warrant. Well, the Vermont legislature passed uh, a provision uh, which went into effect uh, last year, which allows the collection of a saliva sample for evidentiary purposes only that would be tested by by a lab. Um, But specifically, a a person could still consent to that, and if not, it would require a warrant if they refused, uh, much like we have with with the blood standard. Um, And uh, it also cannot be taken, specifically cannot be taken at roadside if it's used, which the best evidence, I think, is, and uh, most people would agree, we want to know what, what is in someone's system at the time of operation. Right. Um, not what's going on, you know, two, three hours later, um, you know, where, where drugs potentially have metabolized. Exactly. And, and that's also for the safety of the person that you're, you're stopping, correct? Uh, ab- absolutely. And that's going to give us the best look of, of you know, what's, what's in their system and what drugs are active at the time of operation. And that's what we're really concerned about. Now, are there currently any states, John, that do allow uh, the roadside uh, saliva test? Um, there are, and there, you know, there are. What I'm talking about for Vermont, uh, which they're allowing an evidentiary sample, but there also is um, roadside screen tests, um, which use um, you know a roadside analyzer or a test that's much similar. It's immunoassay uh, uh, based, which is very similar to what you would see with like you know the home COVID test right now. So they're not like 100% like you would like lab based as far mm-hmm. as confirmation, but uh, they have some pretty good efficacy. Uh, most of them uh, better than 90%. Uh, but there are a few uh, false negatives and positives for those cases. But they're not used, um, you know, for evidentiary purposes. They're much like you would with a a roadside breath test uh, to confirm or deny suspicions at roadside. John, got some pretty startling numbers, and I'd like to go over those uh, with you and get your comments uh, and your thoughts on it. Since uh, 2019, there's been a 49% increase in the number of fatalities involving an impaired driver in Colorado. Do you think that's related to the uh, legalization of marijuana there? Uh, I think some of it is, but 
again, it's not all, it's not just about THC. There are certainly are, we're seeing a number of uh, other substances um, that have really com come forward, uh, like the narcotic analgesics and uh, stimulant category uh, that have contributed to that. 2020 National Highway Safety Administration study said that 56% of drivers involved in serious injury and fatal crashes tested positive for at least one drug. That's a high number. It is. And, you know, I think this goes back to in maybe an enforcement lull during, uh, during the pandemic um, where I think people would say, would agree even in their their drives that they drive a lot. They're not they weren't seeing as many uh, police officers that were engaged in high visibility enforcement at that time. And um, I'm not so sure that that we've gotten back there yet in in some areas too. So I think you know based based on the the pandemic um, and sort of a uh, a lack of enforcement that has driving those numbers uh, numbers of crashes uh, with injury and, and fatals as well. Nationally, we've we've seen an increase over the last two years in traffic deaths, um, and Vermont has followed that trend uh, as well. You know, after decades of, of decreases of traffic uh, deaths, so we're certainly going the wrong direction, and uh, we need to find a way to turn it around. Well, traffic deaths at their highest uh, since 2012, many impaired uh, driving related. Uh, and, and, you know, on another issue, uh, you know, seatbelts. Uh, I, I can't tell you, and I'm sure you're aware of it as well, the number of times you hear about uh, a fatality and the person was not wearing a seatbelt. Yeah, and that's always run, Charlie. You know, about 50, 50% of our, our deaths, um, and that's been for a long time now, and it may even be higher at this point. I don't have the the most recent numbers, but uh, with all of the education that we've done uh, with uh, seatbelts over the years uh, and sort of some of the inf enforcement efforts, uh, such as Click It or Ticket, um, that have been really pushed by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration as well, we still see a number of these deaths uh, not wearing seatbelts. But you, you still cannot stop somebody in the state of Vermont for not wearing a seatbelt. Am I correct? If you have a light out, you can be stopped, and then if you don't have your seatbelt on, you can be ticketed. But you cannot stop somebody for not wearing a seatbelt. Am I right? That's correct. For an adult driver um, over 18, uh, you cannot uh, stop them for just a seatbelt alone. And the legislature has been pretty, uh, I don't know, they, they, they've dug their heels on that. I know law enforcement has pushed uh, to have that changed and we just haven't seen it. Do you, do you know what the pushback is on that? Uh, I, I, well, I don't specifically, Charlie. I know that there's been, um, you know, some people in the legislature uh, for that have been in there for, for decades that have been uh, very uh, vocal that uh, they wouldn't support a primary seatbelt law for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I think we, we can see states that have passed primary seatbelts, you know, have increased their overall seatbelt usage rate um, and certainly saved lives. Well, it's obvious uh, some new strategies are needed. Uh, John Flanagan, former Vermont State Police Lieutenant, uh, talking about the drug impairment and testing strategies today. John, thank you so much for uh, being my guest. It's great to catch up with you, too, as well. And it's been a while since uh, we've seen each other. So uh, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure, Charlie. Thank you. All right. There you go. Travels with Charlie. Uh, I want to thank, uh, again, all of my sponsors, uh, Casella Waste Systems, uh, Jolly Convenience Stores, and Milne Travel American Express. My theme song, written and performed by my good friend Billy Bratcher. My executive producer is Brad Ferlin, the uh, guy playing the music behind the glass, Steve Cormier-Corm. And again, uh, thanks to you all for listening today here on WDEV. Coming up on the next Travels with Charlie, it's going to be summertime. It's going to be summertime in just uh, one day here. How about that? Next show is on July 11th because we're off on the 4th. Hope you have a happy and safe 4th of July. And join me on July 11th with former Governor Jim Douglas right here on Travels with Charlie. Have a great day.